Hi, I'm Tim, and this is TBV for the 21st of January, the year of our Lord, 2024. This week we're looking at beauty from ashes and exploring the scale of creation. When it comes to our existence, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have been created in the image of God and formed out of dust. To dust we will return. And yet, where does this dust originate? Is it just the stuff that has always been there, or did it come from somewhere? Rolling back the clock, physicists have found quite a coherent picture of stellar formation, of the basic, simplest elements forming together to make bigger and more complex materials. Hydrogen and helium combine. We get bigger and bigger elements, including our own essential carbon, this material that provides the backbone of all our information systems, all our cellular mechanics, all of our proteins and coding and creativity. We can't function without carbon. We are a carbon-based life form, and we have been created. And the wonder of the stellar evolution process, the process by which God evolved the stars, is that the big stars burnt out real quick. Well, not by our standards of time, but by their own. They burnt through their material and in various ways transformed into new stages, which allowed the tiny elemental particles to aggregate and form bigger and bigger elemental um, existences that are what we are made of, whether it's iron that is the core of our earth, our little ball in space that we live on, that is made mostly of the element iron. It gives us a huge magnetic field that deflects the solar radiation and protects and makes life on earth possible. That's the most stable of the elements. That's the one where the least energy is required to form them and they are just locked in and stable. Once you get bigger than iron, you end up with elements like famous uranium or plutonium associated with nuclear war and with nuclear power. Rolling back to us, these big stars that burnt out so fast because the weight of gravity rushed the process through made it possible to then generate huge elements, the kinds of things that we need ready for when we come along. And our star, small as it is in the scale of star sizes, gets to burn much, much more gently, much more kindly on us. Hot as it is, it's not rushing to get rid of all its fuel. Now, we use the language of burning. We talk about it as if it's like fire on earth. But actually, it is fusion. It is the fusing together of the small elements to make bigger ones. And as they do that, 
they give out light and heat, the kind of light and heat that we enjoy living as we do on a Goldilocks planet, a place of peace and tranquility until we cause wars, that is. We live in a place that is so beautifully balanced between heat and freezing cold, between emptiness and abundance. We live in a place that is finely tuned for life to exist, with water covering so much of its surface and the seas teeming with life. We live on a planet made for people, made for people like us, people that are just so big and so small, just the right size. If we were to be much smaller, we couldn't do what we can. If we were to be much bigger, we would lumber around and be eventually crushed by our own weight. It is a very small, sweet spot we live in, on a planet that is so um, substantial, made of this iron core that has this magnetic field that allows us to live shielded from the sun and yet enjoying its light. And that is our source, our sustaining energy. It is the light that is captured by these carbon-based life forms of leaves that provides our food and fuel, that provides our future. We rely upon this amazing, intricate, multi-leveled process of capturing sunlight in the green um, and the glorious creation that is plant life. And that provides the food and its rotting matter provides our soil and that's where the insects can live and that's where the small creatures can feed and that's where we can receive meat to sustain the populations that we have on this planet. This is God's glorious creation. This fits in the scale of creation with the human hinge at the center and the antland below us, scrabbling around, cutting up the fallen detritus of leaves and kind of lost life from the plants that have shooted and rooted and grown and then gone, rearranging and reorganizing. These insects are gathering in a rich world that we barely glimpse. They are going about their daily business. And do you know what? They outweigh us. Not only do they vastly outnumber us, but they outweigh us here. They are made like us out of stardust. They are two carbon-based life forms. And they go about doing so much work that keeps this planet clean, that keeps our food possible, that keeps us going. Now, why does it matter that they outweigh us? Not particularly except when it comes to our wonder and our marvels. You see, if one person, one human, was to be built, say a statue that was as big as a mountain, that was as big compared to us, as we are to small ants, then that one person would weigh roughly the same as all of humanity on earth. It would be outweighing 
the rest of us. Just one human mountain. One human-sized mountain. And yet, the ants outweigh our billions, our eight billion-something people. We are, in this scale of creation, we couldn't be much bigger. We couldn't be much smaller. We have been made to fit in the middle of things, between the big and the small. And each part of us, each elemental aspect, is formed from dust, formed from stardust, this scattered debris of creation that collapses inward, that forms under the weight of gravity, that is pressed together, squashed until it ignites, not with the fire that we know on earth where carbon and other things burn, but with the fire of fusion, where the light breaks out and shines in the darkness. This is our sun, a small star, not far away, five minutes as the speed of light travels. It's close to us and yet not too far away, not too cold and not too hot, just right. This is our place in existence. This is our point of light in the darkness. This is this candle of consciousness, us on this small spinning sphere. In the place where I live, there is this round bench near the middle. It faces outwards, and in the centre, it's about the size of our sun on this scale of creation. And it's not far to walk to Mercury, the planet nearest the sun, baked into a hard ball because it's so hot and so close to that fiery furnace of fusion. And on the scale of our town, that's about Greg's, where they bake other things for our delight, heading in the opposite direction, but not much further away. In fact, just a little bit out from Mercury by the distance from the sun from that round bench, we find Venus, a planet shrouded in mist and mystery, a place of clouds covering the planet. It's only when we come back towards the Delhi down the other way, less than two minutes walk away, we find this sphere that is the sphere of our existence, this blue and green planet, this tiny ball the size of a small marble that has its one moon orbiting it, not far, not far away, just the length of your forearm and fingers. A tiny sphere, silver sphere, shiny and reflective, about um, a third the size of our planet. And there we exist, moonlit by night, sunstruck by day. We have our place, all of this, made out of the ashes of atomic fusion. All of this made out of the formation that comes when the elemental existence of the universe is combined together, stage upon stage, creativity and engineering, glorious, glorious coming together of the simple to make 
the much more complex. And yet, and yet, in all of that process, there is no information provided. In all of that process, we have the organization that comes from elements that fit together, that are formed together, that have attraction and repulsion and forces that hold them together. These points do not contain what we need to live. These um, delicate structures that are tiny beyond our conception, we can put numbers on it, but it's almost beyond imagining. It's smaller than the smallest of our scales in the scale of creation. It's down beyond the size of the DNA alley. It's the very building blocks of molecules that make the code of life possible. Down here, we find the glorious lack of data. We can explore it, we can enumerate it, we can put numbers to it, but we can't actually see information there. It's only when life breaks out, when life appears, when the basic building blocks of biology begin in history, in the fossil record, that we see this explosion of data, not just of random noise and information like the snow on a TV screen, but the ordered existence of code of an operating system more sophisticated and subtle than anything we have created with our many, many brains working in concert across such um, different cultures and creative endeavors. We have at the heart of a cell a way of working that is self-replicating and able to do so much to communicate, to control to make what is needed for life itself. This is the glory. This is the existence that is found in history, in the soil and the layers that go before us. It doesn't come little bit by little bit. It comes in vast, vast beginnings and wonderful explosions of ways of doing things, as if it was all made for a glorious exploration of what is possible, of varied shapes and structures of biology, of different limbs and different ways of exploring and sensing, and as these things that creep and crawl have their era, their time, we then find more and more complex and sophisticated and in some ways more elegant and simple designs. We have this glorious gift of God, a creation that is teeming and abundant and alive. And you have been made for a purpose. You have been called by a creator. He has not left us without light. He has not left us in the dark. He has revealed in generation upon generation his ways. Often they seem hidden, and it's been compared in times and places to the game of sardines. 
the game where children go and hide, but instead of saying, found you, they get in the hiding place as well, until it becomes impossible to miss because of the giggling delight, the laughter that is going on, tucked away in some corner. God's goodness breaks out in time and place. God's kingdom is at hand. It's not far away. It is within reach and he is ready to respond to those who would come to him, to those who are thirsty, those who hunger for life, those who long for what life is all about, because he has set eternity in the hearts of his people. He's made us long for much more. We don't feel like we are finite and stuck in time. We feel like we have been formed and made for something much more. We are here with a God who has made us, whose hands threw stars into space, who has come down to live among us, to walk with us in the ways of people, to feel and to form a community. Oh, we go wrong, we stumble, and yet he keeps picking us up and forming us in the ways of the King. This is TBV, and I'm Tim. Until next time.